Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate. Lots of questions swirling around like confetti. Lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain. Sleepless nights, shallow breathing. Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook. People who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. It was raining hard that day. Hundreds of tiny rivulets were streaming down the windows of Phil's corner office, paneled by ceiling-to-floor glass on two sides. The silhouette of the city I could see from the 32nd floor on a clear day was now blurry. Lights in the streets below looked like underwater anemones. The weather reflected my mood. Rain clouds were also filling my head. I was a little scared, but most of all worried about disappointing Phil. My eyes welled up with tears, which now accounted for some of the visual blur. I stood at the door of Phil's office. He was on the phone. He noticed me and my anxious disposition, and a look of concern came over his face. He finished up the call and ushered me in. By then I was crying. A brief exchange followed between us, and within minutes of my standing at his door, the clouds in my head had vanished. His words still come back to me in life, my everyday practice of law, and when I mentor others. Make each mistake only once. What he actually said was the following. You are a student, and I don't expect you to know everything. But what I do expect is that you make each mistake only once. Earlier that day, I realized I had made a mistake. I had just instructed the sheriff to seize the bank account of someone who had not paid child support and spousal support in years. The calculations which I had prepared over a number of days and which I checked over and over again before sending them off to the sheriff, contained an error. They involved years of support payments, cost of living increases, and then interest. Clearly, I should have checked one more time. When I realized the sheriff might seize the wrong amount, blood drained from my head. But my immediate thought was, I have to speak to Phil He will help me fix this. And he did. First, he calmed me down. Then he listened. He was not upset. 
He was kind. He triaged the problem. I was to call off the sheriff immediately and redo my calculations. He suggested how I might avoid such an error in the future. I was disappointed in myself because I felt I was disappointing him. But I knew he would help me deal with the problem, and he did. He was patient with me. He put my mistake in context. Such a wise approach by a teacher and such an important lesson I took away from that experience. We seized the funds the next day, and the entire case settled soon after. I can tell you I have never made that calculation mistake again. Philip Epstein is one of Canada's leading family law lawyers. His contribution to our area of the law is truly spectacular as an advocate, a teacher, and innovator. It has been recognized by both the bench and the bar, including with a doctorate in laws from the Law Society of Ontario and an appointment to the Order of Ontario. Phil was named most frequently recommended family law lawyer by Lexpert. This is my small tribute to Phil and his incredible career. It's also a brief account with great appreciation of his impact on my life and his contribution to shaping the family law lawyer and mediator I am today. I had a pretty good idea fairly early on in law school that I wanted to practice in the area of family law. Families and children in particular are a running theme in my academic and professional life now that I think about it. My master's thesis in history, which I completed at the University of Toronto with medieval studies being my focus, was on the abandonment of children in early modern Europe. My interest in children and families continued through law school, and I eagerly took the family law class taught by the Honorable Justice Phillips. He made the subject truly come alive, and the course confirmed in my mind that I wanted to be a family law lawyer. When it came to applying for articles, I submitted an application to Epstein Cole, along with many others, never truly expecting that I would be called in for an interview. Before I go on, for those listeners who are not lawyers, let me explain what articles are. They are essentially a 12-month apprenticeship, which all students in Ontario who have completed law school need to have under their belt before writing their bar admission exams and then hopefully getting called to the bar. Back in my day when Noah was launching his ARC, competition for articling positions was very stiff and even getting an interview with a firm like Epstein Cole was something to brag about. So when I sent in my application, I was hopeful but realistic. My law school marks were good but I was by no means an A student across the board. I was literally breathless when I learned I was being offered an interview. My initial meeting was with Anne-Marie Horn, whose business card I carried in my wallet for good luck for years and years. I still have it. It's a little dog-eared now. 
My interview with her didn't take long. Within minutes, she said, I need you to meet Phil. Anne-Marie, thank you for helping me get my foot in the door. That second interview took place a couple of days later. In Phil's corner office back, when Epstein Cole was still located on the top floor of the Simpson Tower at 401 Bay Street and shared that floor with the offices of David Robach and Eddie Greenspan. That interview was also in the same office where I would later confess my calculation mistake and learn that important lesson about never making it again. Richard Green, one of Phil's longest standing partners at the firm, was also present. He sat on the couch without a word and observed me intently as I bantered back and forth with Phil. At first, I was a bit nervous, but then I thought to myself, you have nothing to lose, you might as well enjoy the experience. And I must admit that I did. That was literally my first encounter with Phil and his dry sense of humor. I remember laughing out loud in that ever important interview, probably the most important one in my life. How many people can say that, that they laughed at a key moment in their professional life? Well, I can. I do not remember the first day or even the first week of my articles. I attribute that to my probably being in a state of shock that this incredible opportunity had fallen at my feet. Phil and the firm had taken a chance on a first-generation immigrant, a complete unknown, with decent marks, but by no means a straight-A student. I'm not sure what actually got me the articling position, and I will likely never know. Maybe it was the cobbled blue suit I wore to the second interview, or maybe it was my application letter. Something quirky and it got someone's attention. Or maybe it was the fact that I was not afraid and not embarrassed to laugh out loud. I need and want to say a few things about my articles at Epstein Cole in general. During those 12 months, I was privileged to have an opportunity to learn not only from Phil, but also from all of the other partners and associates at the firm. The year-long articling stint was divided into two six-month sections. During the first, my principal was the Honorable Madam Justice Suzanne Goodman, who was a partner at Epstein Cole at the time. I had a chance to essentially follow her around for six months, which gave me an invaluable chance to observe her work on real files, advocate before the court, deal with real-life clients, and tackle not only challenging situations, but also interesting and sometimes novel legal issues. I learned a lot from Justice Goodman. For example, her attention to detail taught me to keep a sharp sharp eye on my drafting, to ensure that every document I produced, and particularly those which were meant for the court, were the best I could possibly draft. She always told me to give her my best work, and that lesson stayed with me forever. 
During those six months, I also had a chance to work with other partners at the firm, including Ken Cole, Fran Weisberg, and Richard Green. They were all kind, generous, and committed to teaching. For the second six-month section of my articles, Phil was my principal, and I worked with him exclusively. Again, I followed him literally from the beginning of the workday until its end. I sat in on all of his client meetings. I attended all out-of-office meetings with him, and I came with him to all his court appearances, including at the Court of Appeal. I also drafted many court documents for his cases, including affidavits, which meant I got a chance to meet with real clients on my own and interview them. Those were incredible opportunities to learn. And I need to tell you that many of my articling peers did not have such opportunities at other firms. I was essentially functioning at a level of a junior lawyer. When we walked back to the office from a meeting or from court, Phil would sometimes ask me to tell him two things I had learned that day. It was a great pedagogical device. I had to quickly organize my day in my head and respond on my feet. Phil taught me many things during my six months with him, and this would be a very, very long episode if I were to recount them all. Those early lessons in my earliest formative professional years were foundational and were core principles which have remained my North Star for the last 25 years. From Phil, I learned about the importance of maintaining the highest ethics and integrity as member and representative of the legal profession. Every day as we interact with the public, we send messages about the legal system and about justice in general. How we conduct ourselves matters. It reflects not only on us personally, but also on the profession in general and the public's perception of the justice system. Phil taught me about the importance of hard, diligent work, but also about balance that having interests and hobbies outside the law helps us manage the stress and long hours that often come with what we do. Phil, for example, is an accomplished woodworker and chef. Based on those early lessons, I have also guarded my hobbies jealously, even when work has tried to fill every available moment. He taught me about the importance of disengaging from time to time and of trusting those I select to oversee things when I'm away. Phil helped reinforce for me the idea that a sense of humor is essential to our lives, including our professional lives. I laughed a lot during my articles and since in his company. Phil's dry jokes and quips often broke up tension. Sometimes they were irreverent and delivered in the way only Phil excels at. Phil taught me that fitting into a mold will not make me happy. Each of us can be who we truly are and still be effective family law lawyers. 
I needed a solid foundation, and my articles certainly provided that. But I also felt there was every expectation that all his students would develop their own styles and practice in a unique way. I never felt with Phil that his goal was to produce cookie-cutter replicas. Phil taught me it is safe to march to my own drum. Importantly, I learned from Phil that our reputations before the court take a long time to build and a moment to destroy. They depend on our conduct before the court and outside of it each and every day. Having watched Phil in court, I learned we can communicate with the bench in a way which is at all times respectful but also that we do not have to be so deferential that we are compromising our advocacy on behalf of our clients. Phil taught me children matter the most in all our cases and always. That as family law lawyers, we have an obligation to protect kids' best interests and to impart on our clients that basic principle that kids matter the most. As a lawyer, I have a habit, and I picked it up when articling with Phil. When dealing with a legal issue, even one I might have encountered many times before, I always go back to basic principles. What does the leading case say about this point of law? What is the actual language of the relevant legislation? I read the relevant section word by word each time. Phil taught me that, and I have in turn passed on this habit to junior lawyers and students. From Phil, I learned that we do not work alone. We work with support staff who are vital to our success and who must be recognized as team members. We also work with other lawyers on a daily basis. Our relationships with them matter, and the professional road is long. Resentments and disagreements are human. But there are always ways to work through them, and it's important to do so. As he did with all his articling students, Phil gave me an incredible level of independence and responsibility, even while I was a student. At the beginning, I was concerned that he was making a mistake, you know, the imposter syndrome. But but as time went on, I convinced myself that he would never give me that responsibility, me, a student fresh out of law school, if he did not have confidence that I could handle the tasks, and secondly, and very importantly, that I would come to him if I knew I was in over my head or if I didn't know what to do next. This type of teacher-student relationship worked very well for me, and Over the years, I have employed it many, many times in my relationships with my own students and those I have mentored along the way. I wanted to excel and meet his expectations. The learning curve was very steep, but climbing it was exhilarating, and frankly, he made it fun. One day, I was standing at the door of his office waiting to speak to him about a file. When he finished his phone call, he came to the doorway, stopped, looked at me, and motioned with his hand, reciting, Will you walk into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. I giggled. 
and then I giggled again. I had a vague recollection of hearing that line before, but not having been raised in the English-speaking world, I could not say with any degree of confidence that I knew where it came from. He asked me, in fact, if I did, and when I said I did not, he told me my task for the rest of the day was to figure out where the line came from, who wrote it, and when. And what a delightful task that was. The poem is entitled The Spider and the Fly. It was written by Mary Howitt, a poet, and published in 1829. Miss Howitt later also translated many of Hans Christian Andersen's tales. Phil taught me about compassion and generosity. I learned to never forget our clients are made of human stuff, real, vulnerable, prone to making mistakes, human. The idea, very important to me, that as lawyers, we have an obligation to give back to our profession and to the public was something I learned initially from Phil. This principle was reinforced many times in my professional life by other lawyers I worked with. The bottom line, Phil and the firm took a chance on me. Those articles opened doors for me, which in turn propelled me on gave me more and more opportunities to work with some of the best family law lawyers in our country. It all started there, my first interview with Anne-Marie, and then my meeting with Phil and Richard, wearing my cobbled blue suit and laughing out loud. Phil, in case you hear this, congratulations on your awards, the LLD and your appointment to the Order of Ontario. So well-deserved. These are in fitting recognition to your incredible career and the irreplaceable contributions you have made over the years to Canadian family law. And before I forget, I loved when you took me to the baseball games and tried very hard to teach me how to keep score. I think I still have a ticket from one of those games. You and the firm have taught many, many students over the years, sent them out into the world and watch them grow into excellent family law lawyers and mediators. A number of them have also become judges, including Justice Suzanne Goodman, Justice Sharon Shore, and Justice Melanie Kraft. In fact, Justice Kraft and I shared an office for 12 months. We were articling students at Epstein Cole at the same time, and we learned so many things together. I hope you are proud of us. I say with confidence we are all very thankful for having a chance to be taught by you. Again, Phil, congratulations on an incredible career. I am forever your articling student. Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app will make future episodes available to you automatically. Signing off for now.